You know, when you when you talk like that, I actually get hard. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's October 1st, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation media assassination, episode 135. This is no agenda. Unsure if we have a government or not today at the start of the country's new fiscal year and coming to you from the minimum security containment cell in Gitmo Nation West, San Francisco, California. I'm Adam Curry. And it's garbage pickup day here in northern Silicon Valley. I'm waiting. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. You think they'll make it? Do we still know. have service? I'm thinking they I just saw a truck go by. You know, have, have you ever... I was in New York City during um, the big garbage strike. I was in New York City during one oh, of the garbage strikes, my too. My goodness. You know, you really don't want that to happen. You it really just piles don't. up, and rats uh, come out of every, every every. And I'm not just talking about the people who live in New York. Rats come out of every nook and yeah, cranny. Yeah, the it's size nasty. of raccoons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you can talk with them. You can have a nice little chat with these rats in New York. They're huge. Uh, yeah. So uh, today is uh, the start of the new fiscal year for our country, and I'm I'm not I'm confused. Do we do we have a, a budget? Do, do have, does government have to shut down, or what's the deal? Why would we have to shut down? We just borrow money. People, you know what? You, you always you're, you're 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 down on this. The fact of the matter is, people love to loan us money. Well, you think you think it's going to stay that way forever? No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. But it's not ending today. No, it's not. It's not. But I, I'm just looking at the news, and I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> there is so much shit going on that uh, just you know, you could get depressed. Yeah, you know, I one of the things. There's some good news, kind of. You know, uh, unfortunately for you, it's real news. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And now, back to real news. You're starting my day off just right, Johnny boy. So I think uh, Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel <laughs> might be breaking up. You, you oh, know they, finally, they, Justin is within my grasp. <laughs> well, I was thinking Jessica's within mine, but you oh, can okay. have your own choices. Uh, so uh, they, they call it the most boring Hollywood relationship in the history of gossip, the gossip rags. Yeah, because they did nothing exciting. Well, they're not, you know, they're just functional functionaries. They do their job and you know, <laughs> they, really they do the job and don't bump into the furniture and they get out. <laughs> get out. I like that. And let me so just that's, that was big news. Yeah, thanks. That's that's exciting. Well, since we're on real news, let me just get a couple of clips out of the way because I, you know, I, we never talked about the Emmys, which you probably didn't watch. Which I know, no, no, no. I watched almost all of the Emmys and. I'll, let me just give you my assessment really quickly. First of all, Neil Patrick Harris, Doogie Howser, MD, and now he's also on uh, How I Met Your Mom, I think. Yeah. His name of the show. Uh, yeah. I liked him. I think he did a great job. I think he did, too. You know, he, he got his chops doing that by doing the Tonys. The Chonies. The Chonies. And he did the, he was on one of the, the talk shows, and it was so funny because, uh, he, you know, he's an out gay. And he oh, says, really? He says you know. <laughs> I, no, I didn't know. I, I did not know that. Seriously, I didn't. Oh yeah, and he says he said on the thing. He says, "Well, you know, the Tonys. You know, so he had some. I, now he unfortunately just lost the joke, but he had some self-deprecating gag about the Tonys being like pretty much. He says, you know, it's you know they have to have a guy like me and some something like that. So they put him on charge of this. And he, what I liked about him, I, I agree with you. In fact, somebody, if you want to play the Jeff Probst clip where he wins the award, Jeff Probst is the guy who's on Survivor. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and the Emmy goes to. Let's see. Come on. Jeff Probe, Survivor. 
Jeff Probst comes from Wichita, Kansas, also home to Buster Keaton, Vera Miles, Ed Asner, Don Johnson, and Kirstie Alley. Growing up, he would turn on the TV after his parents had gone to sleep and watch Johnny Carson until his eyes got blue. Uh, thank you very much. Neil Patrick Harris, this is how you host the Emmys. Oh, nice yeah. job. Yeah, I did hear this, yeah. Yeah, but Ned, then listen to the rest I of this crap. I am thrilled and honored to accept this on behalf of the entire Survivor crew. We build the show together we. on the beaches and in jungle. Well, this is the reality the world, category. I'm honored to be the face yeah. of Survivor. And tonight, I also want to share this with anybody who has a dream, because I am living my dream right here in this moment. If you have a dream, dream big, pursue it with a passion. In the words of the great storyteller Joseph Campbell, the Wait. adventure you're ready for is the one you get. Life is short. Go for it. Thank you. Joseph Campbell never said that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Go for it. But John, don't ruin my moment because I was on the couch at home going, yes, yes, I have a dream. Yes, yes. Joseph Campbell. He's, he's in the words of the immortal Joseph Campbell, Go for it, dude. Who, who's Joseph Campbell? Did he make Campbell's soup? No, Joseph Campbell's this very <laughs> famous kind of anthropological analyst who's a professor that a bunch of people, your friend John Doerr is a big fan of Joseph yeah, Campbell, and he right. did a whole series of 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 uh, analysis of myths of world myths and he's a very ponderous academic type and if anybody's going to be saying go for it it's not, <laughs> it's him. not him uh well what was interesting is i always look at the overnight ratings for stuff like this because i know that these big award shows are becoming less and less relevant to the audience to the industry yeah very exciting now it was spun interestingly uh, where on some, I, I don't have the exact headlines, but some of it was like twenty uh, percent more viewership than last year, and another headline I think in Variety read second lowest ratings ever. Uh, there you go, I love that. <laughs> which is exactly it's exactly this the is truth. the point I'm always making constantly, which yeah. is you can take anything and twist it, twist it however you want, right? So Variety, of course, loves to say, "Hey, it was the second lowest ever," because they're kind of you know snarky. Um, but the thing that was so interesting to me and which really hit home for television media, not for the stuff we're doing, John, is that as the night went on and these shows that are critically acclaimed like 30 Rock, which, by the way, I'm very proud of Beth McCarthy, who was nominated for uh, Best Director. She, I worked with her for like five years at MTV. She's a, a MTV alum. Um, that these shows that are very critically acclaimed but really have no ratings and people aren't watching them, you know, as these shows start to win awards, people started tuning out. It's like the, you could see the ratings go all the way down as all these esoteric, you know, 800,000 viewer type shows start to win awards. No one gives a crap. They really don't. And it just shows how, you know, how incestuous that whole, that whole ordeal is. And indeed, the only th the good thing was Neil Patrick Harris. He was, he did a good job, you know, but even yeah, I couldn't he stick it. He, he, he was, he wasn't getting in the way of the, the show. And he was, uh, he was just like a really good MC in an old fashioned, very old fashioned style. Here's and a Joseph Campbell quote from the chat room. Computers are like Old Testament gods, lots of rules and no mercy. According to Sparky J in the chat, that would that would be that something seems Campbell more like a Joseph Campbell quote, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, as opposed to "Go for it, dude, 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 you got a dream, dude, and you too can make reality television, dude." So I think Probst is also obviously trying to get a job as a motivational speaker. But meanwhile, Mark Burnett's the guy should have been up there, not this guy, because he produced it, right? Yeah, he's the guy who invented the whole genre. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. I disagree. He did not invent the genre. Disagree well, categorically. Okay, he, well, I think he invented the modern version of the genre, whatever you're going to say. No I, no, I would say the not that particular. Burnett 
reinvented that format. But the person who really broke through reality, quote, you know, real life situations on television was John Lamole with Big Brother. That's really where it started. And I think Survivor predates Big Brother, which is another end of mole program. Well, we'll do some research and we'll get back to you on that. So it was just yeah. going to get rid yeah. of this. Oh, yeah. Wait, let me just mark that down. We'll get back on that. Sure. Another <laughs> one of those things we'll get back to you on. Sure. By the way, when, when uh, uh, Goober and, uh, and, what, and Bart, uh, the guys who used to do a shootout, they took it off the air some years ago. No idea what you're talking about. They used to bitch about the uh, ratings of the Academy Awards the same way because the Academy Awards would never, you know, they never give like a blockbuster movie a, 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 a win anymore. The, the idea was to give all these artsy, fartsy movies that nobody goes to see awards and people would tune out of this out of the uh, they wanted to see these stars and they'd just tune off the, the station I right, think where, where right. the people who really really do a killing on the Emmys is e-television who are on the red carpet showing us what the audience really wants to see these stars saying something and they want to see what they're wearing that's 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 all that the audience gives a shit about we don't care who what Joseph Campbell quote we're going to use you know we really they really don't give a crap they just don't I, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. but I, I I thought the show was well produced. The entertainment was good. I thought the production values were stunning. Yeah, I did not like those voiceovers with those funny little. Funny oh, that little was John quotes. Hodgman. You have to be a, a, a Comedy Central fan to appreciate. It. And he's the guy who does the Mac versus PC. I, you know, I don't like. It, it's like it would be like. And ladies and gentlemen, oh wait a minute, <clears throat> I should do a little bit of echo. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Oh, fuck it, I'm not going to do Echo. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, winner of the Best Tech Journalist category, John C. Dvorak. Yay! John Dvorak, best known for saying the Apple Macintosh was not necessary. A mouse is unusable. <laughs> and that's exactly what... And you'd be like, fuck you, dickheads. Because that's what they were doing. It's like, oh. Yeah, it was pretty. You're right. Actually, I, it reminds me of a... Uh, I did an awards thing when PC computing was in business called the MVPs, and I did it with Jim Seymour and I. And we were kind of told to goof around like that, and then we almost got fired after the damn thing because oh, really? all the people who got awards were not very pleased with our with our you know kind of lewd commentary, funniness, yeah. So anyway, play the one other clip I got on the Emmys, which is I thought was the best acceptance award because you got it. It's it's uh, what's Ken, his name? Ken Howard. Yeah, Ken Howard, who's I've watched on TV forever. He used to be on a million shows. He used to play a coach on some show, and he was and he's like in his mid to late sixties. He had a kidney transplant apparently ten years ago, and he comes up with what I thought was the absolute best line anyone who's like this late in their career could ever come up with. And then he just had this glib, you know, kind of series of non sequiturs that uh, were. I just thought it was the best acceptance I've heard for a long time. And the Emmy goes to Ken Howard, Grey Gardens. Ken Howard was raised in Manhasset, New York. He says he first worked as an NBC page for The Tonight Show with yeah, Johnny Carson in 1965. If my math is right, that... Although it's funny, I have to say that I'm remembering the speeches based upon that stupid-ass voiceover. Because <laughs> I remember uh, saying he was an NBC page. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. Thanks, Mr. Howard, 35 years old. This is the first Emmy win and nomination for Ken Howard. Thank you so much. This is... Uh... Uh, very encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it's 
I'll uh, make my uh, my speech as brief as possible in the hope that it won't be interrupted by a congressman or a rapper. <laughs> this was at the height of the Kanye West controversy. <laughs> And he's an old dude, right? He's like in his late 60s, 70s? Yeah. yeah. I was thrilled to be part of this project for HBO. Thank you to everyone at HBO. You know, we actors are so thrilled with the uh, amazing success of cable television and the advent of new media and can barely wait to renegotiate. <laughs> anyway, I yeah, found it funny. amusing. No, no, that was good. I, I like that. So I just want to get those out of the way. Yeah, pl- I'm, I'm happy you did. Three showbiz news at the top of the uh, three showbiz news stories at the top of the show is uh, pretty much all I can take. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get back to financial news for a moment. Oh, uh, remember? Um, I don't know if it was Sunday or the week before we talked about uh, the FDIC who insure our bank accounts, the money you have deposited in your bank, uh, which used to be a hundred thousand dollars per. Uh, account and is now two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per account. Right, and so they're running out of money. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, they say that uh, as it currently stands, they will run out of money in early two thousand ten. And so, and of course, this is being kept very very quiet because if people knew about this, there would be an obvious run on the banks. Mm, I don't think so. Oh, I, th- I, you know, if we if we spun this properly, yeah, there would be. You you can make people very afraid of this stuff, but it's not going to happen. Because that's not in the agenda. And so one of the ways they were talking about solving this deficit, of course, John, you're correct. People are always happy to lend us money. In fact, the people who we just gave money, the banks, are now being considered as the source of money to shore up the FDIC. So, again, this is money the banks already pay to the government that's supposed to go in this in this little jar, this little piggy bank, insurance, sh- com- insurance yeah. company, that should this bank fail, then the, at least the deposits to a certain amount are covered. So they pay that money, which of course is already money they're paying from based upon money that they got in the bailouts, and now they're being asked to take that bailout money and uh, and lend it back to the government at interest. So we're getting screwed three times because it's our money, basically. And I was thinking... You know, there's got to be more behind this than just pure desperation. And I think it, must, it might have been John Steck who, uh, who sent this to me. He sends a lot as one of our listener producers. He said, it, this is the scam. When, um, when a bank lends, let's just take, make it easy, lends the FDIC $1 million, it's not just a $1 million that's on the books as being lent back to the United States. It's actually an asset. And the way the rules work, with that $1 million asset, they can then lend out $8 million more. So they've actually created $8 million of fake money on their books because you're allowed to do a 1 to 10 ratio. So this actually is the start of a new legal Ponzi scheme, which is really, really, if you look at everything that's happening, we are headed, for, and, and you're right, John, it's not going to be today or tomorrow, maybe not for a couple of years, but somewhere, somehow, at some point in time, this this pyramid, the real Ponzi scheme, which includes Social Security and whatever health care, I don't care what it is, public option, single payer, doesn't matter. If the government's involved, along with Medicare, it's all going to come really tumbling down. It's just impossible that it doesn't. Possibly. Oh, Jesus. Where's your book? 
Oh, isn't it? Isn't it time? This for, is just the comeback time? when you know when I'm not just. <gasps> Boy, Adam, that's unbelievable. Well, I, well, instead of that, you know, possibly maybe you could give a little bit of insight. I don't have any insight. The way I see it, the whole system, the whole species system, and I've said this before, the whole thing is just based on trust, and it's bogus. It's always been bogus. It's never not going to be bogus. It's bogus with gold. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> and it's, the funny thing is, is that it really is all boils down to just a mechanism for barter. The only reason that we have gold standard or species standard, species I'm referring to paper money that doesn't have any real backing. It used to have silver certificates, gold certificates, and but now it's just nothing. It's just a piece of paper that happens to be printed you know, in such a way that makes it hard to counterfeit. It's just a mechanism for barter. So I can give you, for example, I do some work for Mevio, obviously, and you give me yeah, this. No, no, I, I'm all fine with that, except there's one, one little organization <clears throat> called the Federal Reserve who have been given this God-given right to make up all of the species. They're making up, they're printing the paper, whether it's virtual or not. And that pisses me off because that's not, that's unfair. Let me have a printing press. Well, they used to allow, you know, it used to be, but here's the problem with that. In the 17 and 1800s, everybody could have their own printing press. Every bank made their own money. Every state made their own money. I got a bunch of stuff on the walls. You know, I like to collect uh, old bills because they're very pretty, by the way. But you get the bank. They are. <laughs> they're good rolling paper. No, they're really pretty. They're pretty. <laughs> anyway, the Bank of Georgia, the Bank of South Carolina, and all these different men, they would actually be hand-signed, you know, so it means sure. something. Sure. Well, that, the federal, the, uh, the, every dollar bill or every denomination is signed by the treasurer and yeah, by the Federal Reserve. Theory. We're talking about really signed. I mean, they actually oh, signed Like, like with, with real ink. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, which was kind of makes them kind of interesting as collectibles. But anyway, the uh, whole thing, the only reason to, to did it had to be centralized because it was out of control. Nobody could prove that, you know, somebody wasn't overdoing it and they weren't, you know, there's just too much fraud involved. So you centralize everything with a central bank. Yeah, so you, you can have the fraud in one place. Well, you can have the fraud in one place, and of course, the government doesn't care. They want to, all they want to do is make sure that somebody keeps track of where this money's moving to and from so they can tax. You know, the fact that instead of me actually going over there and trading you, uh, you know, a, a, a motor from my car for, you know, a few bushels of. Oh, well, yeah, uh, but eggs. wait a minute. That's not the job of the Federal Reserve is to keep. Uh, inflation and deflation in check. Isn't that well, that's their only, you know, ultimate that's only a goal? recent job that I know of. Because that it, job never existed. Because I'll just say I'll just say one thing that with, with I think well within your lifetime certainly John interest huh? rates yeah I know I know it's a lot to, it's a it's a lot to think of but within your lifetime interest rates have been as high as twenty percent oh, as, yeah. as low Carter. as like zero percent like it is today you know yeah. so so they they they're, they failed at that they've essentially failed at their job and then oh, and then you know and and they're keeping yep. secret who they're print, printing up money and giving it to but we but we're actually paying for it. On Wednesday, yesterday, the U.S. Federal Reserve said it will appeal a court ruling that ordered it to identify borrowers using its emergency lending programs. This is the $2 trillion that Bloomberg uh, sued the Federal Reserve over under right, the Freedom of Information Right, they went to the Supreme Act. Court. The Supreme Court said cough up the documents, and the Federal Reserve said... No! <laughs> said, screw you! Yeah, they went, hey, Sotomayor, you like that chair, Biatch? <laughs> we put you there. You don't want to mess with us. No way. I know. They got an issue. This is a real problem for them to do this.
The financial community is very upset about this because it just makes it again like, well, maybe nobody has to. Oh, so the Supreme Court told me to forget it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. How, how about we try that? Yeah, right. <laughs> How about we try to say, no, yeah. hello, hello, we're not doing it. We're not listening to you. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's an, it's an out and out outrage. And, you know, now you've, ah, God, I mean, th- this is. Look, if Bloomberg's working on it. You know, you know, you know that it's a scam. Well, it could be either a scam, A, or it's nothing we, the two of us, can do anything about except bitch. Oh yeah, well, but if if I'm happy they're doing it because uh, we'd have no show. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's plenty of other stuff. Well, the um, yeah, there is plenty of other stuff, uh, and I really love this one, which of course will be underreported and no one will really understand it. Uh, but you know about the VIP program? This was the uh, countrywide financial corporation, uh, who of course received huge bailouts. Uh, they had this VIP mortgage. Uh, plan, which is not all that uncommon, by the way. There's lots of banks who give celebrities, and of course, you'd think there might be some conflict of interest if you're giving uh, congressmen and senators uh, low-rate mortgages for their homes or for their second homes or for their seventh home, um, and you know they're giving them bailout money at the same time. And this included, ah, uh, oh, geez, who who did they give money to, John? I don't know. I, I gave up on that story. Well, anyway, so, you know, Biden, I'm sure. Yeah, I think Biden was one. And uh, let me just look at the the story. Well, anyway, uh, you know, when you call the bank, uh, you always hear your call may be be recorded for training and customer support purposes. And uh, so, you know, there was the uh, House Oversight Committee said, uh, hey, you know, uh, I'd really like to find out about these. about these VIP loans, just to make sure that you know these, because of course uh, these uh, these representatives said, "Oh, I didn't know they had a VIP program. I thought I was just getting my regular good deal." You know, I had no idea it was a better deal. Uh, here, Chris Dodd, who was actually oh, on yeah. the uh, is he on the yeah. finance committee? Uh, Kent Conrad of North Dakota, and they of course say they never asked for favorable loans, uh, so uh, they subpoenaed the uh, these recordings. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, we deleted them because of space issues. <laughs> you can get away with a lot of excuses. The space issues? <laughs> they, because you of can the, buy a terabyte drive the, over here at Costco for 75 bucks. They had, they, That'll hold a lot of recordings. And then you know that it's like, you know, at 8-bit eight, eight resolution, you know, it's like, you know, it's really low-grade recording. No, I'm sorry. It was. Let me see if I have the exact quote. Uh, it was really funny the way the way it was worded. But literally, you know, well, we had to delete them, you know, because you know we we were running out of space on the hard drive. That's our Do they policy. Do people actually say these things? I, you know, that's what would be to me. It'd be send that person to jail for lying to whoever you federal officers. That's a lie. That's an out and out lie. There's no such thing as space. Here we go. A Bank of America spokesman said in a written statement that oh, Bank of America, my favorite bank. Yes, who uh, who I think they received a little bit of help. Don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there some help going on there? Uh, the VIP recordings quote were retained only for a limited time or until available recording space was utilized. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Oh yeah, my god! We put god. everything on an eight uh, an eight megabyte uh, SD a, disc. It's like, it a, ran out. like a USB thumb drive. I mean, what are these guys <laughs> yeah. using over there at the Bank of America? They can do a million transactions a second on the, on the Nasdaq, yet they can't save a VIP recording for more than a couple months. Well, then you know something was up. Well, of course. That's just that's an admission of guilt. Well, yeah, but not, but not, you know, nothing will happen. Well, of course not. Why would there be anything happening? Nah, nothing happens. Period. Well, I was. I've been watching. uh, uh, Time for a little bit of media assassination. So while all of this stuff actually goes on in the background, you know, uh, Fox News is keeping the old people busy. And by the way, it really is. I don't know what the demographics are of Fox News, but I bet you any person over 60, present company excluded, <gasps> watches Fox News exclusively in the evenings. And, I, and I've spoken to a number of people. And, you know, um, you know um, Coop at the office, I was, you know, she was like, yeah, you know, I've been I've been kind of indoctrinating her, and she's like, "Wow, you sound like my mom a little bit." So, well, first of all, a I hope not. Uh, B, hello. Said, let me guess. She's probably watching Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Beck. She's like, "Yeah, exactly. That's what I hear her talk about all the time." I'm like, okay, now I've got it figured out. So we get the old people occupied with Fox. We get the younger people occupied with CNN, and just give them candy, man. You know, Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox. His mantra and what he's been very successful at is give the people what they want. And they're just completely hypnotized. And, and, you know, they can't, they're too old to get motivated to do anything. You know, they're not going to go march on Washington. Like, uh, I bet got a few of them to go under that, uh, that thing, the 912 event. True, true. But that is certainly not the viewership of Fox. I mean, the viewership of Fox is huge. You know, he got a lot of people, you know, 100,000 or maybe in total a million around the country. But, you know, on a, on a nightly basis, what has he got? Three, four million people watching him? Yeah, at least. So, you know, and then CNN, they, they just keep the younger crowd busy. And it's all with this non sequitur bullshit. You know, so Fox's new thing is the president, he has time to go to Copenhagen. Right. You know, to to try and shill for the Olympics to get him into Chicago, which, of course, is a complete bullshit thing for him to be doing. Totally. You know, and, 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 I mean, it is. It's just. Hey, it, Obama, we need some help here in Chicago. We got you into this job. Get over there. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's it's not even it's not even that. I mean, the guy is not running anything. When will someone understand that he's not running the show? And so, of course, you know, what they're saying is he doesn't have time to uh, respond to the letter from the uh, commander in Afghanistan who needs more troops, which is true. He has not responded. But, you know, who thinks the guy is running anything? I think people are switching on to this. The guy is not in charge of anything. He's I know, just he's not. He's on TV, radio. He's on. He's doing talk shows on the weekends. He's a brand. He's just I've a brand. I've never seen a president who's who's constantly never never. He's never home. <laughs> and Michelle flew out the day before him on her own her own Air Force Two or two two point yeah, five. Yeah, I know the whole right wing media is all up in arms about these two flights and they're co- complaining about the but carbon. Then, then I think the, it's a good complaint, but it, it is beside the point. Yeah. And then on the left, I'll just call it right-left, just to stay with whatever vernacular they're using. We've got CNN. What are they talking about? Roman Polanski. It's like, I don't give a crap. I just don't care. 
Yeah, you're right. That's the split. That's the current. You see, it's Polanski and the, and the flight. And what was a couple of weeks so, ago? We had the other two, which was the Acorn and uh, what was the entertainment news? Uh, Kanye West. Kanye West. I think I figured out Polan- Polanski's arrest, though. You know, every, everyone's like now it's in this deep discussion of. You know, the the judge was, you know, the, the judge overstepped his boundaries. And it's like it's like a whole discussion that is completely irrelevant to life as we know it. Yeah, well, let me mention one more thing so before you give us the explanation. He's had a chalet in Gestat for years. Oh, yeah, could, but this, but, yeah, but this was the first time they knew he was coming because he was receiving an what, award. What did they have to know anything for? Why don't they just go over there and knock on his door and find when he's going to be back? Now, I'll tell you why why they nailed the guy, and this is the one thing you will not see on CNN, the one thing you will not hear about on Fox, is about his new movie. His new movie, which has not yet been sold in the United States, is titled The Ghost. Uh, stars Pierce Brosnan... Uh, all right, all right, you got me on that one. You're right. It's exactly, it's a publicity stunt. The novel caused a stir in Britain, so this is a, uh, a movie of, of a book, uh, for uh, the lead character's resemblance to former Prime Minister Tony Blair. So I, I, I'm going to have to go read this book now to review it on the show, but clearly they don't want this movie out or whatever, and so it's like, let's just go nail this guy. No, I think it might be the opposite. Maybe the whole thing or is set it's a whole up publicity to stunt him, to make it to make it work yeah, to get possible. the distribution out yeah, because now everyone's going to be interested in the movie once I'll again. The word gets out. Oh, Polanski's movie, and especially if they use the logic that oh, they arrested him to keep the movie off the street. My yeah. God, this must be unbelievable. This a movie, great movie. Yeah, you're right. It could be because, of course, we know that in the highest levels of justice departments around the world, most of these people are pedophiles. I'll say it. I'll say it. They're fucking pedophiles. I know for fact in Gitmo Nation East. Come on and get me, bitches. I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah, it's rampant. Your- it's rampant. It's rampant throughout upper layers of government. And by the way, why not go get a, a couple of priests while you're at it? Why not arrest them and throw them in jail? Why not extradite a couple of those, those Roman dudes? So we should be taking, uh, we should take, uh, put a pool together. Do we think that Polanski will actually be uh, extradited or will the whole thing fall apart after the movie gets into distribution? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, let's, let, let's, we will monitor this. Could you write that down somewhere, John? Will you can find it? <laughs> yeah. Let me see. Yes, here's a stack of papers. I'll write it on the back of this envelope. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something that's uh, you may have blogged this. It wouldn't surprise me because it's been circling around uh, the conspiracy theory circleists for a while now. This uh, town in Montana, uh, Hardin, Montana. Oh yeah, this is hilarious. This we is, did blog it. This is great. Has uh, <laughs> never had a police force, but now all of a sudden they do, and it's called the APF, uh, known as the American Police Force. <laughs> And uh, these guys have a website. Hold on, I gotta find. Uh, I gotta. It's like some rental outfit. And yes, it, here okay. it is. It's, it's it's pretty. And of course, the website has been completely hacked. Oh wait a minute, they've unhacked it. Uh, it's AmericanPoliceGroup.com. Uh, the American Police Force organization. American Police Force is dedicated to maintaining our well-deserved professional reputation as a results-oriented, full-service, private, investigative, and security agent agency by way of commitment, diligence, unique resources, uh-huh, creativity, and tenacity on behalf of our clients. 
And so, and and but it looks like um, their logo. If you go to the website, what's the name of that movie? That animated movie, uh, Team America. I never saw it. Oh, John, you have to see this movie. You've never seen Team America? No. Oh my God! You know the song "America, Fuck Yeah," here to take on the motherfucking world. Yeah, you've never seen this? <laughs> no. Oh my God, John, this is a classic. You of all people need to see this movie, Team America. You must rent it or BitTorrent it tonight. You have to see this. You you will be blown away by. I mean, uh, maybe I have that song here. Let me just see. Oh, it is so funny. And it's kind of like uh, kind of like the Thunderbirds. Yeah. And it's kind of done that way. Hold on, let me just make oh, team. God, why should I want to see it? Oh, dude. Oh, dude, you want to see this so bad. Hold on, let me just see if I have that song. I bet you I have it somewhere. Team. Mm, no, maybe not. Maybe it's in my other iTunes. Nah. <sighs> no, I don't. Sorry. Anyway, um, you should Google Team America. All right, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. Where's uh, that envelope? Hold on a second. Yeah. So anyway, uh, these guys, main office located in D.C., and they service all 50 states and most countries. This is a, a, a private police force that has been hired, apparently. We don't even know they exist, except for a couple of guys with a, some business cards they printed on their laser printer. Well, they got a cool-ass logo. Yeah, well, you know, they probably have some graphic. One of the guy's wives is a graphics designer, maybe. Who knows? I mean, I think these guys are like Blackwater wannabes. Well, well yeah, duh. Uh, recent stories of a private security force descending upon Montana town in black Mercedes SUVs. At least the American cops drive American cars. With police department insignias emblazoned on the side have caused an internet uproar. The reason, hard Montana, where the American police force entered driving the phony patrol cars doesn't have a police department. So anyway, uh, links about all this in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Yeah, it's actually very, it's a funny story you should, people should read it, but I don't know where it's going. Will you promise me that you watch Team America? You will poop yourself. I will, I will see that, I will definitely watch Team America. Let's do some clips. All right. Well, we got a couple interesting clips here. There's one uh, that uh, there's a I, mean, I watched one too many Rachel May- Maddow's, and I'll oh, tell you this. Oh my God, she is a liar, <laughs> amongst other L words, <laughs> which actually is to her benefit. I mean, the, the whole lesbian thing is a turn on. That's why I watch her. I you know I'm like oh yeah. Well, God. she's getting really snotty too. She's getting she's picking up that old habit of, of sneering too much. Oh yeah, I don't like that. So, but, he, but so I rented. So she had Alan Grayson, who's the guy you should probably follow. Is a Florida Democrat who's in with Ron Paul. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I, I've, they, I've seen him interview. Uh, he, he interviewed the um, the Federal Reserve's attorney. Hilarious uh, during one of these things. Yeah, yeah, I like him. yeah. He's I like a him. blowhard. He's one of these showboaters. I mean, he's not going to get very. He's, he's kind of funny, but this is what bothers me. He's amongst this group. Play the Alan Grayson clip, and I'm going to, before he said, this is, he's, he apparently used the word Holocaust, and they're all upset uh, about it. Said, well, it's going to be an economic Holocaust or something uh, like that. Oh, he used the word Holocaust. And the word Holocaust is, I guess, a no-no in the politically correct. So they're kind of apologizing about it. And It's you, interesting you say that because I actually was researching the, is it entomology? No, that's about bugs. Yeah, well, etymology. So that, oh, no wonder I was confused. Uh, <laughs> etymology. I was researching no, the and. etymology of the word Holocaust the other day, which has meant a lot of different things throughout history until recent times. So let's listen to the clip of Alan Grayson. We're here for. I have to ask you a third time, and I'm sorry because I didn't mean to do this, but do you regret sorry. using the word Holocaust or do you think it was appropriate? 
I, I, Rachel, yeah. it may not have been the best choice of words, okay. but I will say this. My words don't matter. That's not what's important here. What's important is that we do what we need to do, that we solve these problems. And that's what no, I came here to for do. A second. Now, here's where he, this is what starts to get to me. Listen to the rest of this spiel about how somehow, somehow some, in some bizarro world that a, that a house that is dominated by Democrats, by Democrats and a Senate that is filibuster proof and a president who is Democrat play, play this. And how can you blame the Republicans for everything? It's not possible, but that's what they're doing. Listen that's what's so guy. frustrating to me. I've been here for only nine months now, and I see the Republicans have nothing. They simply stick their heels in. They dig their heels in. They won't let anything get done time and time again. It's not just the health bill. It's everything. They, they simply block everything. How can that, they block they can't, everything? They, can't they have block no everything. power. Yeah, yeah. No, I've 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 noticed this trend as well. It's like they they always say they want to negotiate. They don't. They don't. It's all take and no give. Well, why don't you guys get your shit together and you can pass anything you want? They Fact can pass is they anything they want. No, they fa- got all Democrats. They own the House. They own the Senate. They own the presidency. And they're complaining that the Republicans are stopping things. The Republicans can't stop anything. There is no not enough Republicans to do much. But look. Look and watch. They can watch things change. These Democrats complaining about Republicans at this point after after the United States public gave the Democrats the House, the Senate, and the presidency are still complaining about Republicans. Exactly. Um, you know, when you when you talk like that, I actually get hard. It's not what America <laughs> sent Congress to do. What do you think? Ah, that's funny. <laughs> the best way is for Democrats in Congress to fight Republicans. You've obviously taken a very pug. Well, all you have to, all you have to do is show up and agree. <laughs> you have to fight to show fight? up and press vote for whatever you want, and then we're good. Tenacious rhetorical stand against them, and you've been very outspoken and very blunt. It's the way you campaigned. It's the way that you have governed as a member of Congress in your first term. Do you think that the Democratic Party should be approaching Republicans differently, just as a matter of strategy? People want a Democrat with guts. They want to see a Democratic Party with guts. They want to see us use the power that they gave to us last November in the election. They want to see us solve their problems, and not just Democrats. It's not just Democrats who feel that way. People want to see Congress act, not drag their feet, not be stopped by the Republicans, not be stonkered by these nattering nabobs of negativism. They want to see us solve their problems or at least work on them. So, uh, wait a minute. Let's, let's stop there. Nattering nabobs of negativism was a phrase that was coined by the corrupt vice president Spiro Agnew. I don't know if he's do- using it as a joke reference or is actually was, using well, it. Thinking- it. Obviously, it was lost on me. I want to hear it again because I didn't. Negative nabobs of what? Of negativism. I like this. Let me not be it. stopped by the Republicans. Not be stonkered by these nattering nabobs of negativism. They want nattering, to see us solve their problems or at I least work that. on them. Nattering nabobs of negativism. I'm going to use that in a meeting at Mevio. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of nag- nattering, <laughs> nattering nabobs of negativism. Negativism. Oh, God. I'm going to fuck it up when I say it. Yeah, nattering it's, it's, nabobs of negativ- negativism. <laughs> you're, having, you're having trouble. <laughs> say it. Nattering na- It's like she sells seashells by the seashore. Well, Nattering nabobs of negativitism. No! <laughs> what is it? What's the last word? Negativism. Negative. Can I just say negativity? Yeah, you could probably get away with yeah, that. Nattering nabobs of negativity. That's better. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try that and see if anyone picks up on it.
So this Holocaust thing is interesting because I was watching Larry King uh, earlier in the week, I think even before uh, Sunday's show, and he had negativism. He had Ahmadinejad on. Man, I'm, I'm out of it today. And, uh, and Larry launches in this whole thing. He wants Ahmadinejad to basically say that he denies there was a Holocaust. And with Holocaust, which is a proper word meaning something else than six million Jews being killed during the Second World War. And Ahmadinejad won't admit it. He keeps saying, let me, you know, as a scholar, which is always funny, he, he pulls out the I'm a scholar. So, we, you know, uh, I, I'm not a historian. I'm a scholar. He says 15 million people were killed. He's, and, you know, so his whole thing is, uh, who killed uh, all the Jews? Who killed all these people? And then, of course, uh, Larry King has to say, Germans. And then and, and Ahmadinejad brings it right around to say, right, so why are the Palestinians now involved in this conversation? Why has the, uh, the Holocaust been politicized? So that's all a valid point, but he actually won't admit it. He won't say it. And so I'm, and, and, and he said something about the word Holocaust, and, and I thought it was very interesting that this word has been used in, in many different contexts, but it really has been hijacked to mean one thing only. And now it's like a word that you can't use anymore unless, you know, unless it's in the context of six million Jews being exterminated. It's just, it's not valid. And from that, and I'll take it right back to my own personal circles, I was uh, in the meeting with a couple of uh, a couple of the, the Mevio uh, senior execs, and one of them actually, we were talking about this, one of them actually said, well, I really hope we just wipe out Iran. And, uh, and this particular person is Jewish. And I'm like, wow, you know, do you really mean that? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We, we, you know, if we just get rid of them, then everything will be fine. I said, but that's exactly what uh, Israel is claiming Iran says about Israel. I mean, don't you see kind of like the, the sadness in what you're talking about? I said, you got kids. I said, your kids are on Facebook with Iranians. Your kids are on Facebook with kids from Iraq. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And my kid was, you know, on Facebook and then Twittering. And, and while the bombs were going off in Iran and her friend was watching out the window, I said, there were no bombs going off. You know, it wasn't all that bad. And, and I realized that even really smart people really smart people who I hold in high regard and who make more money than I do at this company, I have been so indoctrinated by fake bullshit news that there's just no hope for them. There is just no hope. And every day I get emails from people who listen to this show who say, you know, my fill in the blank, my boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, you know, etc., my friends, they all think I'm a crazy-ass crackpot when I say, hey, maybe you should think about what's actually going on and not be worrying about Kanye West, and maybe you shouldn't take the flu shot because there might be something going on. And they all say categorically, I cannot convince them. They call me crazy, and you know, please help me. How do I bring people over <laughs> to the other side? And, and I have to tell you, Forget about it. It's not worth the effort. Some of us will make it and some of us won't. I'm really sorry. In fact, one guy, my advice to him was, maybe it's time for a new girlfriend. <laughs> he didn't like that. He didn't think that was a satisfactory answer, by the way. Yeah, but it's probably a good answer. Yeah, you know, it's like, and this is, you know, so I'm sorry. The only thing you can do is bring it with humor. If you're really serious and shit, that just doesn't work. You just got to laugh and joke and then maybe people will get it. But what has hit home is uh, the same person, actually, who has a daughter, 
uh, and who has had the first HPV Gardasil's cervical cancer shot. And I said, hey, you know, you might want to consider that uh, that's maybe not such a good idea. And uh, boom, the same day, and uh, if you haven't seen this, then, well, my God, then... Yeah, no, everybody's... Everybody's seen now that there was a girl in the United Kingdom who died uh, very shortly after she she received her uh, HPV... Uh, yeah, they're doing everything cancer. they can to cover it up. Oh yeah, uh, I, now the BBC, of course, state-run, state-controlled media, is saying that uh, she had a tumor. Yeah, yeah, no, she had a tumor. It wasn't the shot that killed her; it was the tumor. Interesting. So yeah, they're doing. They, they are doing everything they can to cover it up. And um, this, in fact, I think vaccinations have been put on hold in uh, in the UK for Gardasil. Yeah. Um, so far, it'll yeah. be back up. It, it'll be. They'll it, let it blow it, over because the public has a short memory, and bingo, will be back in play. Because there's too much money to be lost. Yeah. You can't let these shots go out of date. It's like uh, I think it's like 300 bucks a shot, and there's three shots involved. And it's interesting. Many uh, countries, certainly in Gitmo Nation East, are giving the third shot and uh, the third uh, vaccine vial, and saying, "Take this home, and you should self-administer it." Which I don't get at all. Which other other than uh, a great way to circumvent some lawsuits? <laughs> I like, didn't know what? this. Yeah, That's hilarious. Yeah. I'll put the link in the show notes. Noagendashow.com. Uh, here, here's your third one. Here, take it <laughs> home. About a month from now, uh, shove it up your ass. But even this this woman's daughter, who is uh, I think fifteen, <clears throat> maybe thirteen. Uh, she said, you know, it was really interesting because my husband took her, but her daughter was the one that came home and said, you know, I feel okay after this first shot, but man, I had to sign a lot of paperwork. <laughs> it was like, it was like this huge, like pages and pages of basically whatever happens, you cannot sue us, the doctor, the company, you know, the, the bus company that drove you here, you, know, you cannot sue anybody. I was like, doesn't that give you some kind of clue? Now, of course, for the swine flu that has been embedded into law that, uh, you know, because these companies have stepped up and have rushed through creating this fantastic swine flu vaccine for the H1N1 new influenza A virus, that, of course, they have to be held indelible from any type of legal action should you die from their horrible shit. It's the no agenda swine flu minute. Which actually lasts about 30 minutes. Where would you like to start? Now, apparent. Well, the, the couple of things to start. There's two. There's a, you know every. Uh, I don't have a, a, a clip for this, but every uh, week we have come up with another new scam that the news media dreams up, or they or something happens, or they they pick up on a story, and the next thing you know, as another excuse to get people to take the swine flu. Up in Canada, the uh, doctors up there, or a doctor or some research company, has come up with the with this crazy notion that if you get the regular flu shot before the swine flu shot, <laughs> yeah. You will probably get the swine flu for sure. Yeah. Now, now I would like some virologist. <clears throat> how does that work? To yes, how does that work? <laughs> how does a how does giving me a, a vaccine make it easier for me to get well, another? Let, let me take a guess, John, because perhaps they've actually put the H one N one in the seasonal flu <laughs> shot. I mean, I'm just guessing here. You know, well, that's I, always uh, possible. Yeah. So what they want, pe- that's possible. Yeah, of course it's possible. Why else? How else could you do it? Shot either. A lot of healthcare workers aren't getting either shot this year. Oh, except well, yeah, but there's a big problem. Um, yeah, they're starting to pass law saying you have. You to. have to in Ohio. If the health workers don't take the shot, they don't get a pay raise. In New York, they'll get fired. 
Right. That's that's showing up in California too. Just just now. If you don't take the shot, you get fired. Hey, hey, now that's a way to help out with jobs. Way to go, Obama. Jobs, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. jobs, jobs, and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah! Well, not only that, but these are nurses that are going to be needed if there is an epidemic. Yeah. So how did, what's the logic here? There was some woman in the New York Times, a nurse, saying, you know, I've never been sick in five years. Why should I be getting these shots? She won't take either shot. She never has. She, she won't do yeah, it. And she'll, and she'll get put on inactive duty or she'll get fired or she'll, it's, it's nuts. The whole thing is crazy. So anyway, so they're interviewing these people up in the Canadian stations and they're saying, the guy says, so how come, you know, some reporter, <laughs> some brash reporter asks, how come nobody else has come up with this information that the, uh, that you can't take the one shot before the other? And by the way, how would you figure that out? Because the shots haven't been distributed yet. And the guy says, well, you know, sometimes you don't, uh, you can't, if you're not looking, you won't see it. Is that his exact quote? Say that one more time. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> hey, hey, over here. Nothing, nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> if you don't look, you won't see it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the whole thing is just this, you know, ridiculous. So now they want you, and now what's happening in Canada, which is ludicrous because the flu season actually begins in, you know, November. They're going to make people take, they're going to have the swine flu shots available probably in, in December or maybe in November. And then the, the regular flu shots won't be available till January till we're well into the flu season. But meanwhile, people can get the regular seasonal flu. And of course, so it says the swine flu. This is becoming, this is a fiasco. There's a, in Gitmo Nation East in the Netherlands, a number of people sent me this, uh, this link. They have kind of like a, a virologist czar who has been pushed forward by the government to, uh, to tell everyone, you know, oh, this is why, uh, and of course they call it the Mexican flu over there. I'm not quite sure. I'm still not quite sure why they didn't go with swine flu. It's a branding issue. We're working on it. You know, it's, uh, it's typical. Um, and so he's been on television. You know, he's, he's a spokesman, right? And uh, so they discover that he owns like nine percent in the in the leading distributor of vaccines in the Netherlands. It's like, duh, really? You think? It's just it's it, it's a huge money making scam at best. At worst, goodbye, audience. <laughs> at least those of you who are going to take the shot. But it is it really is sad just to hear how people do not. They're not even this information. About what we're talking about, uh, particularly about the adjuvants, the hamburger helper part, which is really the dangerous part of the. Oh, you know what? This is. I found this, and uh, I have to find the whole clip. I only have a piece of it because in 1976, in this very, this is a fractal, of course, of of, of what happened a number of years ago. We had a swine flu scare in the United States. Uh, 48 million Americans were vaccinated. And uh, thousands of people start uh, got sick, had neurological disorders, and many people started to die. And there were these huge lawsuits. And then this is a news report from, I guess, late seventies uh, about the swine flu. I just have a little bit of it. I'm looking for the for the full blown piece because it actually has examples. And you see these people walking all fucked up and shit because they got neurological disease. This is a great piece of audio history. And without the lovely internet and YouTube, we wouldn't have. This. Remember the swine flu scare of 1976? That was the year the U.S. government told us all that swine flu could turn out to be a killer that could spread across the nation. And Washington decided that every man, woman, and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. Well, 46 million of us obediently took the shot. 
And now 4,000 Americans are claiming damages from Uncle Sam amounting to three and a half billion dollars because of what happened when they took that shot. By far the greatest number of the claims, two-thirds of them, are for neurological damage or even death. Dr. David Sensor, then head of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, is not... By the way, love the music. Love the music. ...now in private industry. He devised the swine flu program and he pushed it. Did anyone ever come to you and say... You know something, fellas? There's the possibility of neurological damage if you get into a mass immunization program. No. No one ever did? No. Do you know Michael Hatwick? Yes, ma'am. Dr. Michael Hatwick directed the surveillance team for the swine flu program at the CDC. His job was to find out what possible complications could arise from taking the shot and to report his findings to those in charge. Did you know ahead of time, Dr. Hatwick, that there had been case reports of neurological disorders, neurological illness, apparently associated with the injection of influenza vaccine? Absolutely. You did? Yes. How'd you know that? By review of the literature. What would you say if I told you that your superiors say that you never told them about the possibility of neurological complications? That's nonsense. I can't believe that they would say that they did not know that there were neurological illnesses associated with influenza vaccination. That simply is not true. We did know that. Right. So that's all um, CDC personnel. And it, when you, it's a, it's, it's a fractal. It is exactly the. Uh, hold on, I should do that. It is exactly the same. Well, how? I mean, isn't the the slogan "If we don't learn from history, we're bound to repeat it"? No, I thought it was "If we don't learn from history, we're bound to have it repeated to us." <laughs> Nay bobbing negative. What was uh, it? You're never going to get it out. No, I'm going to have to write it down on a cheat Nattering. sheet. Nattering. Nattering nay bobbing negativity. Nattering nay bobs of negativity. Nattering nay bobs of negativity. Although that's what you're going to say. It's actually negativism. Is yeah, the real but nattering nay bobbers. <laughs> oh, never mind. Teeny, teeny boppers. Of, so anyway, it's really interesting when you when you see this piece, uh, and it goes on forever because back in the day they had a lot less commercials. Uh, but it's it's just an outstanding piece. I'll put this edited piece. Which I thought which, we ran this before. Uh, we I don't think we've run uh, we've we run we run this particular piece. I don't I don't recall it at least. Okay. But we have talked about the 1976 swine flu, and it is exactly the same. And by the way, how come that you know? If they already went through this, don't they already have... You never hear anyone talking about, here's what we learned from the 1976 swine flu. You never hear about that, ever. But they've improved it. Yeah, they have. They, they, not the not the adjuvanted uh, vaccine. What they've improved is... They've, they've, the marketing. Yeah, they've, and they've got the CDC in their pocket. They've got the WHO, the World Health Organization. They got that them to change the laws on what actually constitutes a pandemic. They've got everyone to... Hey, babe. Oh, so nice. Turn down your Mickey. They got um, uh, the World Health Organization to change. Uh, uh, said that to change uh, what a what a pandemic actually is. It doesn't have to be. It right. just has we to be wide treaties where they could actually declare martial law. Yeah, I mean, and then all these all these local uh, areas of the, of the various areas of the world have have like in England now. There's one of the interesting stories that floated by from one of our producers is that you can be considered insane and locked up if yeah. you refuse the flu shot by only one doctor. By the way, by one doctor, the one doctor who's making the whatever they're paying him <laughs> per shot, and you say, "I don't want this shot." 
We're going to lose ten dollars. You, you probably give the doctor find out what the what the amount of money is that the doctor's getting for the shot. No, and it, give it was him it, the money. It, yeah, exactly. Give him double. Give him, give him give, double, give him say, double the money. Me here, here, yeah, please. You know what we do here on this show? We don't pull any punches, no, sir. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. Simple formula. Now hit the hit my other thing, hitting another guy in the mouth clip. You can use this follow up. Okay. It's always about hitting the other guy in the mouth, isn't it? That's always That's what it will be about. In- <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite have the same impact. No, no, the other one's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always about hitting the other guy in the mouth, isn't it? That's always Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's hit that other guy in the mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh so my okay, let's go on to another clip. Wait, wait, do we have no more uh, no more swine flu news? Well, okay. no, I do have a, people out there all send us a Shepard Smith clip. Shepard Smith, who I watched this clip where he berated some uh, healthcare worker for not taking the swine flu shot and then saying, well, you, you know more than the CDC. You know more than the CDC. How can you know more than the CDC? And he's a, a total dick. And oh. I, wanna, I have that oh. clip. I'm going to run it on Sunday. Yay. Total dick. I love it. Let me just stick with health care for one second. Sure. Before you go on to the next well, clip. Well, I got another health care. I got a health care clip. Well, let, since let me, you're on the topic. Well, let, let me finish up uh, the swine flu minute. That thing sticks in your head. You will be singing that all day. You can't it's help. It's catchy. It's catchy. Jeff Smith. Genius at work. Uh, you want to do? Uh, uh, I mean, I got a tax thing. Healthcare related tax thing. Go I ahead. Got, okay, I got two health care clips. The this one, this first one is thank you for calling, Mister Benton. And here's what the setup is. So I'm watching CSI New York, and the story is the following: a, a guy ended up with uh, lung cancer. And I guess he lost his coverage. So this is like total, you know. Wait a minute. This is NCSI New Was CSI New York? CSI New York. Oh, oh so, so wait a minute. We've received another script from the White House, boys. Oh, yay. No writing necessary. <laughs> and, and there's an interesting aspect to it. Okay. This guy starts using high tech to kill off the doctors that cut him off. And first, let's play this clip, and then I'll show you the ludicrous aspect of it. Play. Thank you for calling, Mr. Benton. The guy has been the guy has has been killing people, and he's got some woman locked in an elevator, and she's claustrophobic, and she's dying in there, and she's not getting any sympathy from him. And so he he's cut off the elevator through the internet, apparently. and he's calling her. Yes. <laughs> so can, so he, can I can yeah. I interrupt this clip, or am I, or I have to play it all the way through? You I, can interrupt it, but you have to back it up a little bit. Okay, because right. I, I might hear like some outrageous shit. Let's go. Oh, there's a, you knew what I was going through. Okay, right there. He's talking in the elevator. I'm sorry. Yes, he's in the elevator in the micro in the speaker in the elevator through the internet. He's got the, you know emphysema or some. Horrible have you thing. ever have you ever pressed the button in the elevator and gotten a response ever? No. no. <laughs> you could have found a way to help me. But you didn't. Oh, we weren't allowed to. Allowed to. What's what's is that her wheezing? Yeah, she's no, she's she's has some some weird claustrophobia, and she will die if she's locked oh, in the elevator. Okay. Oh, oh, this is a condition I I'm unaware of. Okay. Right, right. The corporation isn't in the charity business. Hmm? They made that quite clear to me every time I spoke to someone. They said the same thing. 
I'm sorry, Mr. Benton. I wish I could help you, Mr. Benton. I wish we didn't have to take your bed, Mr. Benton. Take your bed. insurance had him run out. <laughs> The, the read is really bad, dude. When he's, he's trying to breathe, he says, if you're, we're sorry we had to take your bed, Mr. Benton, if your insurance hadn't run out. We could do something for you. This is this is better than, than what Obama does. I, I want public health care now. Mr. Benton, we wish you the best, Mr. Benton. Thank you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, the follow-up is uh, the, the girl is rescued because he's already killed two other people. Now, he's killed one person through by, ta- by tacking into the GPS system and a whole bunch of things. So this guy's car drove into the wrong part of town and then died because he managed to do all kinds. Of- this is a guy who, uh, when they researched him, supposedly invented GPS and... Oh, oh, that, oh, right. Okay. He's a huge super hacker. Meanwhile, he loses his insurance and he can't hack into the system. <laughs> this is the irony. This yeah, is the world's he, greatest he, hacker and yeah. he can't hack, hack into some the free insurance, insurance system. <laughs> Just like up his insurance real easily. I mean, this is stupid. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, play the last clip is, on, is the second, is that one loan clip. This is after he, uh, they found out who, where he was. Was it right here, Congressman? Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. And so the, he has the unsympathetic cop. And meanwhile, there's a, still the, the, the final pieces of propaganda now fall into place. It would be if you hadn't spoiled my plans. What would putting Lisa Kim in the market accomplish? She needed to feel what it's like to be helpless and forgotten. Wow, that's a message right there to everybody, huh? She suffers from severe claustrophobia. She could have died in that elevator. That's what happens when one doesn't get the help they need. (laughs) (laughs) That's like right out of the playbook, that one. You remember when your father needed help, don't you? And he got it. Well, I wasn't given that option. You won't get sympathy from me. You have a problem with the healthcare system? You found three scapegoats. Don't you see? Detective. That's the lesson here. I needed to put Lisa Kemp, Aaron Dexter, and Dr. Evans in my shoes to make them understand. You have a message. Write your congressman. (laughs) Wait a minute. This was CSI. This is CSI Vegas, isn't it? No, this is CSI New York. So when Jer- when does CSI New York when is it in production? Uh, uh let's uh I think it goes in production over the summer. Interesting. So you're telling me that they they well, let's see. Um they had dusted uh I'm trying to see if I can find out when this was actually made because this may have been part of the overall agenda way before it hit the airwaves. Could be. Um, may have thought they had a fight on their hands and they had to come up with some of these propagandistic shows. But I think people out there at least should notice that this kind of thing is being thrust upon them as dramas when, in fact, they're messages. Okay, um, here it is. April 30th, 2008. CSI currently filming its... Is this the eighth season, John, of CSI? I don't know. Well, it would be interesting to know 
because um, they were they were in production on their eighth season uh, more than a year ago. I don't think there. I don't think the lead time on CSI is more than six months. We're rolling right into the next season. We will start our ninth season May twelfth. Mm. I think yeah. it was the I think, yeah, I think you're right. It may, it may be pretty tight. Did we see yeah. the upcoming CSI Two and a Half Men crossover episode? I didn't watch that's, it. That's frightening. How can you cross over CSI and Two and a Half Men? <laughs> that's pretty crazy. That's wrong. I haven't heard about that, so who knows? Uh, yeah, so clearly, and of course, who produces this show? Leviacom. Yeah, but I mean, isn't this CBS. another... Isn't this... No, I mean, who's the actual executive producer? No, this is not a Dick Wolf show. Who produces it? This is... What's his name? The other superstar... Sorkin? Uh, no, 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 no. If I said his name, you'd know it. Look it up. I'm looking it up, right? Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, yeah, Bruckheimer. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, of course. Bruckheimer. Yeah, he's uh, he's always in with, uh, with the White House, isn't he? Uh, I don't see any reason that he's not. Yeah. Uh, so the following on this health care, uh, you know, the one thing the president has promised us is there would be no uh, no tax uh, for this health care. Unfortunately, the IRS kind of disagrees with him because, you know, now the uh, the the plan, the so-called Baucus bill, Chairman Max Baucus of the uh, Senate Finance Committee uh, initially came out and said, hey, look, you know, if you, you if you don't want to take the health care, that's fine. You're going to pay thirty eight hundred dollars penalty. And I don't know if that's per person or per family. It's probably per person, but that's kind of irrelevant. It was lowered to $1,900. But now the IRS says, yeah, you know what? And if you you fail to pay, we will uh, be in charge of uh, punishing you. Yeah, it's a tax. It's a tax. The IRS handles tax, so it is 100% a tax. If you fail to pay, it'll be a $25,000 fine or up to a year in jail or both. Uh, excuse me. It makes me nauseous to read this shit. Uh, so it's a tax. That is the if the IRS levies it, if the IRS is in charge, it's a tax. That's just that's the only way you can look at it. No, it is a tax. Yeah, but then didn't the president lie? Wasn't Joe whatever his name is right when he said you lie? You lie. Joe Wilson. Joe Wilson. Wasn't he right? You lie. Yeah. You lies. lie. He lies. On the lying tip, and I promised you uh, last show I'd just briefly touch on this. Uh, remember I, was, uh, I said I would come back on the Oklahoma City bombing? Yeah. Um, by coincidence, oh, wait a minute. I think I actually have a jingle for that. Yeah, by coincidence, uh, three days ago, the long secret security tapes showing the chaos immediately after the 1995 bombing of the Oklahoma City Federal Building were released under uh, Freedom of Information Act, blah de blah de blah. Um, the, uh, and this is according to AP. Uh, the tapes appear to be edited. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not! <laughs> Yeah, um, the tapes are blank in the minutes before the blast and appear to have been edited. The real story is what's missing, said Jesse Trentadue, Salt Lake City attorney who obtained the recordings through the Freedom of Information Act as part of an official, uh, unofficial inquiry he's been conducting since 1995. 
he gave copies to the Oklahoma newspaper. The okay, so the tapes turned over by the FBI came from security cameras. Uh, here it is. Uh, Various companies had mounted outside office buildings near the uh, Murrah Federal Building. There are blank points before 9.02 a.m. when a truck bomb carrying the 4,000-pound fertilizer and fuel oil bomb detonated in front of the building. All four cameras, all four, go blank at the same time. And, of course, officials said, well, uh, they had run out of tape. Hey, where have I heard that before? Of course, in 95, it maybe was actual videotape. These days, it's digital recording, but it's always, ah, doesn't that suck? We ran out of recording space. So, uh, obviously, there's been tampering here. And uh, if you really look, if you Google this stuff and you look at it, you'll see that the way the, the blast was, uh, the way the, the, the blast field was put together, there's no way it could have caused this, this damage. In fact, some columns were ripped down where there essentially could have only been 25 pounds per square inch of, uh, of pressure. And, um, and I say if you look, at, just for those of you who are on the uh, Director Energy Weapons tip with me, look at the building from above and look at the nice beamed circles that have sheared off the front of that building. That's all I'll say about it. Good. But, uh, but it's, it's just interesting that, uh, that the tapes appear to be edited. At the very moment, I tell you that we should come back and talk about it. Maybe very there, interesting. Maybe there is no coincidence. Yeah, well, there's no such thing as no coincidence. All right, I got one more medical thing to play. It's a thing, and then we have to kind of thank some of the uh, listeners who have given us some cash. Okay. But I do have, I don't know what the record is, but this is a one-minute commercial uh, for Embril. And this one, my even my wife got the chills listening to this commercial because apparently this stuff, if you take it, you get fungus infections, which, you know, how does that happen? Is this the sugar clip? No, sixteen five Ambrel. Oh, got it. Yeah, and it, it's it, the, this commercial is sixty seconds long. There is sixteen point five seconds of, of sales pitch, and the, the rest, rest is, of it is is death. Death. <laughs> With rheumatoid arthritis, it seems like my life is split in two. There's the life I live, and the life I want to live. She wants to be a man. Fortunately, there's Ambrel. Embrel can help relieve pain, stiffness, fatigue, and stop joint damage. Because Embrel suppresses your immune system, it may lower your ability to fight infections. Serious, sometimes fatal events, including infections, tuberculosis, lymphoma, and nervous system and blood disorders have occurred. Before starting Embrel, your doctor should test you for tuberculosis. Also, ask your doctor if you live in an area with a greater risk for certain fungal infections. Don't start Embrel if you have an infection like the flu. Tell your doctor if you're prone to infections, have cuts or sores, have had hepatitis B, have been treated for heart failure, or if, while on Embrol, you experience persistent fever, bruising, bleeding, or paleness. <laughs> Ask your rheumatologist if Embrol is right for you and help bridge the gap between the life you live and the life you want to live. I want that life. <laughs> now, there's something. There's two interesting things about this. One is there's a woman's voice, then she says, the life I lead or the life I want to lead. you got a guy. I don't know what the hell he's doing in there. But, but the, here's the thing that's interesting that, you should, that people could pick up on is that this is the only – for most of these commercials, you, they throw in the disclaimer, although rare, have occurred. This yeah, commercial I, I hear does that not a lot. say yeah. although rare at all. Interesting. So there's got to be some legal, there's probably some exact meaning 
Oh, to the term. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, although rare, meaning yeah. that it probably is rare. But if you don't use although rare, yeah, it's probably which they don't not, use in this commercial, that means rare. you're just going to get this stuff. Yeah. I, I also picked up on if you have the flu. Could this be another part of the binary uh, theory that we have about the, oh, the it's flu a vaccine? Possibility. They don't, but this thing just seems like really nasty stuff. I mean, if you can get funguses. Well, what I don't like is um, there's none of the stuff that I actually like getting, like uh, dizziness, hallucinations, <laughs> right, nausea, suicidal yeah. tendencies. I mean, that's the stuff I want to take these drugs for. You know, I'm not getting any of that benefit. So I don't know if I would go on this drug, John. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I really. I always like the other thing at the end. See, ask your such and such. Yeah, if ask this if it's is right. right for you. Yeah. Hey, we need a jingle. To ask, ask your family if no agenda is right for you. <laughs> we should do. Somebody has to do for us a no agenda one minute ad that's like this. Yeah, it has a couple of good <laughs> things, couple, like sixteen seconds yeah, stuff, yeah. and then all this crazy disclaimers. You may actually turn into a crackpot. Crackpot. <laughs> Although rare, although rare, you might be shooing kids off your lawn. <laughs> this would be great. Oh, please. Oh, please, audience of producers, please consider us in your next production. I would love it so much. Um, there was another one of these huge articles um, that I want to look for. Well, first of all, why don't we do this? Uh I think it's pretty clear what we do here. We assassinate the media. We pull apart the dribble and drab and the uh, the natterers, natter, the nattering, nay bobbing neg- negativisms, and uh, and we expose the cr- the matrix that is being pulled over your eyes every single day. And the audience is growing. Uh, they're having a lot of trouble convincing people. But, you know, it, it, we're, we're really getting somewhere. And we do a lot of work. We really do. And we hope you appreciate it. We're seeing on a daily basis people who are supporting us. Lots of people, by the way, who say, hey, you know, I really like to donate, but I don't have a job. Food comes first. Absolutely. <laughs> appreciate the email. Eat first, okay? For sure. Eat first. And while you're eating, we're going to continue to help to tell you what you should and shouldn't be eating, like the shit that makes your brain shrink, like soy, uh, all of the, ge- the genetically modified crap. We're onto all of these stories. And really, we're doing nothing more than what cable news does. We're aggregating stories and bringing them to you, except we go for the really good reporting. We're not reporters ourselves, but the good reporting is being done. Sometimes you have to extrapolate it. And we need to debunk a couple of these stupid things like CSI. And we do it twice a week. I'm looking at my show, my notes here for the show. I have 50 more stories I could do. I would love nothing more than to quit everything else I do and to work on this full time. I would do it seven days. Well, no, no, I wouldn't. I do it. You fi- wouldn't. Fuck that. I do yeah, it five days a week. No, we, 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 we need a weekend. Uh, I would do it five days a week. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> turn down your Mickey. Yeah, turn down, turn so, down uh, your Mickey. Well, so, I also want to remind people that we come up with with analysis that nobody else does, like the Roman Polanski thing, for example, is a good example. And we, and we, and, yeah, exactly. And we have nobody two po- does this at all. No, nobody, nobody. And we have two points of view. You know, and it's right. No, you're not going to hear that on Rush Limbaugh, you know, and 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 Glenn Beck. You're also not not going to hear this on Bill Maher. You know, maybe we should be more racist, like Bill Maher, and maybe then we get more listeners. So I want to thank a few uh, listeners. Uh, we had negative cash flow this week because I had to return all the money for the dinner that we had to cancel. That blows. 
So uh, Todd Simmons uh, in Eight Mile Plains, Australia, one hundred dollars and sixty nine cents. That's a really good number. Troy uh, Dallas of Australia, Quakers Hill, Australia. We had a lot of Aussies this week. Fifty dollars. Really. James Briscoe, Bayshore, New York, sixty two fifty seven, which means something. I can't remember what. Wait, Troy wait, 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 wait. I've got to pay attention because two people sent me. Yeah, John Matthews sent us eighty nine ninety, which I believe is a uh, was it was a nineteen forty two executive order uh, authorizing welfare and something else. Okay, and he's in parts unknown, but anyway, eighty nine ninety from John Troy Angst Langsburg, Michigan fifty. Alan Bose Langley Langley. Uh oh, wait, wait, Langley, British Columbia. Hmm. Langley, British Columbia, fifty bucks. Uh, Adams uh, Atomic Engines. Uh, actually, Rod Adams is the guy that runs it. One hundred two dollars and thirty five cents, and he's in Annapolis, Maryland. Oh, wait a minute. I I know that one. Hold on. The reason why it's uh, don't just gloss over a uh, one hundred two dollars and thirty five cents. The reason is, hold on. Uh, one hundred dollars is the donation. The two thirty-five is the atomic mass of an important uranium isotope. Oh, he sent you this? Yeah, because he oh. knew you'd forget, even though it's in the PayPal message. I didn't see it. <laughs> of course you didn't. You're not looking. So I wonder what Adams Atomic Engines does. Why don't you look it oh, up? Oh no, no, I know. I know he's Atomic Rod. I know him very well. He, uh, I'm, I can't atomic tell you. Atomic Rod. That's he, a great name. Yeah, that's his name, Atomic Rod. No, the, this guy is a is an old school Daily Source Code contributor. Oh, okay. He he works for a service. I can't tell you which one. He knows everything about atomic energy. You want to know about backyard nuclear um, nuclear. Uh, uh, you know, home nuclear power plants. Right. He knows all of this stuff, and he and, and you know he's worked on atomic submarines. The guy knows everything. He's a great resource for anything and all things uh, nuclear energy. He's a big proponent of it. He's hmm. a good guy. Atomic Rod. Okay. Well, I've, I've, and thank you, Rod. Thank you I so actually, much, Rod. I need to get in touch with you for a market watch call. And, and let me just say one other thing, Rod. Thank you for your service and thank you for your donation because I come from a, a big. Gitmo Nation government service family. Bert Burtons. And he's in, this is only our only uh, Netherlands uh, donation. I guess you're not getting into news enough over there. But he's from Best. Is there a Best? Yes, there's a place called Best. Absolutely. Hmm. Glenn McBride. Wait, how much, how much did he give? Because someone gave $50 and, and half of it was for, half of the donation was for himself and half was for his, like his, his bonehead friend who hates us and doesn't believe it. And he donated for him anyway. <laughs> I don't think it was the guy from Best. Yeah. Glenn McBride, $60 Roanoke, and uh, another $50 from BB Computers. Also, I noticed that last week I mispronounced Felix Schudel's name. I think I called him Schindel. Oh, no. And he's the guy in Zurich. Schindel's Which list. is where they arrested uh, Polanski, which is where we you know, we came up with our, our own analysis of that. So, which you could probably bring out. You know, people who listen to the show can use that in their conversations at work. Now, call, go to uh, No Agenda show no agenda show.com and uh help us out or dvorak.org slash na and i have some new buttons up this week and i'll take the dining room thing i'll have to use an ftp client that didn't work for some reason okay. anyway at no agenda show.com we really appreciate your help and especially people even people who send in the 20 and 14 and that's beautiful five it's, yeah, all it's good. a beautiful thing and and of course you can still become a knight of the no agenda roundtable two ways to do it one is by donating a thousand dollars right off the bat and uh, you i mean you basically get blowjobs from us 
if you do that. If you go on the um, the layaway plan, it's fifty dollars a month. Of course, it's a blowjob in the journalistic sense. Yeah, well, of course, John. Just saying. Just uh-huh. in case somebody takes us to court. <laughs> Why? HR issues? These guys promised me a blowjob. <laughs> I'm like, you know, just like the doctor, would I'd rather pay him? So, All right, come over here, boy. I'll take care of you. Just don't take me to court. <laughs> just don't sue me, okay? Oh, uh, so was that it? Yeah, we well, we just you said we had negative. Yeah, we we're cash short flow. this week. We needed yeah. we need a little more help. So I uh, would go to noagendashow.com or uh, uh, also noagenda.squarespace.com or dvorak.org/na, and uh, that would be useful. We we will put it to good use. Paying bills. Yes, and we do have a few. So the um, I always try to to end up with uh, with a zinger. I believe it was. Uh, I gotta. I gotta bring up my zinger link. Hold on a second. I believe it was the uh, Columbia University. Hold on a second. Um, university had the opportunity to uh, investigate Adolf Hitler's skull. Did you? Uh, no, no. I'm. T- t- you got me on this one. You didn't hear about this one. Um, let me see which university it was. So they had this skull for, uh, let me see, uh, University of Connecticut. So they had the skull for like, uh, you know, half a day. And of course, the story goes that Hitler... The skull's on tour? (laughs) It's on tour, uh, opening up for uh, Black Eyed Peas and and Lady Hawk. And... um, no, I'm not quite. Well, I, there's a whole bunch. I'll, all of these links will be in the show notes uh, at, at noagendashow.com. And so they did DNA testing on the skull. Now, the story, of course, is that Hitler shot himself in the head um, uh, near his bunker so that you know he couldn't be uh, he couldn't be whisked away and prosecuted, etc. Turns out the skull could only have belonged to a woman under 40 years of age. Now Hitler, of course, was over. He was like fifty-six uh, when he uh, suicided himself, and he certainly, as far as I know, was not a woman. So this—you've you've probably heard of Operation Paperclip, right, John? No, you haven't heard of Operation Paperclip. This you was, just go on with it. You always go. You go. My God! My God! You haven't, you haven't watched that movie? You of all people. <laughs> Well, Operation Paperclip, you should Google that. I mean, it's a real thing. This is when they brought all the German scientists from Nazi Germany over to the United States uh, to basically build the H-bomb. If you follow all of this logic, dude, you you would almost... They brought them over to build rockets. Yeah, well, yeah, rockets. All right, we'll go on with the story. But this included the the, uh, the nuclear, nuclear technology. So now, now here's what the theorists are looking at. So what happened then is they took all of these, um, all of these Nazis and took them up to the somewhere near the North Pole, and they built a base there. And this base, um, in fact, it had a name. This was Operation High Jump. Again, all these links, and this is like mainstream news links and and you know historical documents that you can look at. The Nazis were up there building shit like the V-7 flying saucer. And uh, Admiral Byrd actually documented in his uh, journal, and again, this is all you know historical fact, which of course has been buried for years and dug up by people around the internet. He actually, in his log, talks about flying uh, over the North Pole 
and all of a sudden, you know, he's uh, he comes into this this space in the middle of the of the polar ice cap where there's like animals, like uh, mammoth size elephant or elephants or actual mammoths uh, walking around. There's like green grass, and then there's two flying saucers with swastikas, as reported in his flight log, that that fly next to him and force him down to the ground. And so this is, and you're gonna love this. One of these flying saucers, because of course the Nazis, you know, they were they were going to take over the world from their base in uh, in uh, up near the North Pole. The 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 U.S. actually shot one down, uh, one of these flying saucer type planes, and guess where it landed? Roswell, Area Fifty One. So. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can't get this kind of material anyplace else. <laughs> Noagendashow.com. We, so, the theory is, the theory is the Nazis are still running the show. That's basically it. All right. But uh, for those of you who are really into the fun stuff, uh, take a look at the show notes. I'll put it all in there. And uh, the end is near, my friends. In fact, I think the end already came for John. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, my goodness. So, um... Got a lot of leftover clips. Yeah, should we, uh, should we actually play those on, uh, on Sunday? Will they well, still be yeah, valid? Kept, most of them are still relevant. Okay. Uh, right, I got tons of stuff to do. You? Uh, I have to uh, take a shower. Yes, you do. Coming to you from the minimum security containment cell under pressing threat of the nabobbing negativism in <laughs> Gibbo Nation West. Nattering. <laughs> I'm Adam Curry. And from uh, Silicon Valley North, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will be talking to you right here on Sunday with another episode of the media assassination known as No Agenda.